Howdy folks, it is Monday, March 28th. I'm Jacob Cohen and this is The Hustle Daily Show. Later in today's episode, if you are listening to this wearing a pair of Warby Parker glasses, you are a customer of a direct-to-consumer brand which for years have boomed. But in the words of Sir Isaac Newton, what goes up must come down. And for a variety of factors, these companies are experiencing the back end of that equation. And we're going to discuss it as always. But before we get into that, here are a few things you should know. Let's get crackalack. Have you ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn-related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus. With the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound a little too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for Startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. All right, first things first. Today, President Biden is expected to make a budget proposal that includes a plan for something called the billionaire's tax, or more specifically, the billionaire's minimum income tax, which, as its name implies, would be a tax targeted pretty directly at the richest 700 Americans for the first time. Specifically, the proposed measure would assess a 20% minimum tax rate on U.S. households worth more than $100 million, and this would hit both the income and unrealized capital gains of these households. But over half of the revenue brought in from this bill could come from those worth over a billion dollars. Now, a document describing the plan said the tax would make sure that the wealthiest Americans no longer pay a rate lower than teachers and firefighters, and that it's expected to reduce the deficit by $360 billion in the next decade. So why the focus on billionaires? Well, last year, the White House estimated that 400 billionaire families paid an average federal tax rate of just over 8% of their income between 2010 and 2018. And obviously, that rate is lower than the rate paid by millions of other Americans. So without getting too wordy, one reason for that is the government does not tax the increase in the value of stock holdings until those assets are sold. And so many billionaires are able to borrow against their accumulated gains without triggering taxes on them. So what does this mean for you? Well, if, like myself, you are worth less than $100 million, you've got nothing to worry about. Lucky us. But if you are listening to this and you are a billionaire or close to it, first of all, please let us know because we'd love to know if there are any billionaires listening to this. But second of all, you should schedule a meeting with your accountant. All right, go do that. Moving on. So there's a very high chance you are listening to this podcast on Spotify right now. Well, Last week, Spotify released new and updated numbers on the money behind its business, so I figured we could run through some of them. So let's do that. First, in 2021, Spotify paid music rights holders more than $7 billion, which is up from about $5 billion in 2020. Additionally, last year, there were 1,040 artists who earned a $1 million or more on the platform, up from 860 in 2020. And interesting little tidbit, there were 238,000 songs. That got over 1 million streams on Spotify last year, 
And lastly, in 2021, 12% of U.S. streams were of the top 50 artists compared to what was around 25% of U.S. album sales in the peak CD era. Now, despite all these numbers and Spotify being heralded as the savior of the recorded music industry by some, it doesn't feel that way for many artists right now. As our own Mark Dent reported, add a lot of these numbers up and you'll quickly discover that only about 2% of the artists on Spotify made more than $1,000 a year on the platform. And some artists that we've spoken with, like Sadie Dupois, who's been on the cover of four Spotify curated playlists and has racked up more than 15 million streams, are upset because they're making more money from a month on a platform like Bandcamp than from Spotify in a year. And they think the company has a ton of work to do when it comes to compensating artists better. All right, and finally, my favorite piece of the day. There were three interesting art sale-related stories that our team came across this week, and there's just something about each of these stories that's truly unbelievable. So let's go through them now. The first... 39-foot South Dakotan T-Rex skeleton, which seemingly vanished after being purchased by an anonymous buyer in October of 2020 for $31.8 million, has resurfaced. It's resurfaced, folks. It was reportedly shipped to the United Arab Emirates for display in the National History Museum of Abu Dhabi, which itself is just an oddball story, but also reminds us of the whole $276,000 Nick Cage Mongolian fossil debacle, which we can save for another time. The second story is that an Andy Warhol portrait of Marilyn Monroe is expected to be auctioned off in May for about $200 million. And emphasis on expected because friendly reminder that in 2017, Salvador Mundi was expected to go for $100 million and ended up selling for $450 million. So there's that to consider. And lastly, a CryptoPunk NFT is looking to sell for 5,500 ETH, which is about a little over $17 million. It's only valued that high mostly because of an extremely rare trait it holds among all other CryptoPunk NFTs, which is that it is wearing a hoodie. And now, let's talk about why some online brands you know and love may be f***ed. So what is going on? Well, the D2C model, direct-to-consumer model, is promising when costs are kept low, right? Without physical stores, companies can use cheap Facebook ads to build brand recognition. They could use ad tracking to pinpoint customers. And they could use low-cost shipping to make deliveries. And those were all once perceived as the great strengths of direct-to-consumer companies, but have now become weaknesses. First, Facebook ad prices have tripled in the last two years. Warby Parker IPO'd with 13% brand awareness in its, in its industry, and it's one of the more well-known direct-to-consumer companies. But with pricier Facebook ads, the uphill battle for name recognition is even more painful. Second, Apple's iOS 14.5 update forced companies to comply with its ATT ad tracking transparency framework, which requires advertisers to ask permission to track users' activity. Have you gone on an app recently and something pops up which says allow app to, to track or something like that? That is what I'm talking about here. And this makes it harder to measure Facebook ad performance. One expert claims Meta's attribution metrics, which are user actions that can be attributed to an ad, are now off by something like 30 to 50%. So this has led companies to spend more, often with worse results. And lastly, 
Supply chain challenges have jacked up import costs. The price to ship a container from China to the U.S. has risen from about $2,000 to over $15,000 since the beginning of the pandemic. And on top of all that, rising interest rates have pushed investors towards profitable businesses, which many direct-to-consumer players are not. So what happens next? Well, in 2022, Allbird stock is down 63%. Rory Parker and Stitch Fix are down over 40%. Some direct-to-consumer companies will be fine. Chewy, for instance, if you have a dog, you probably know Chewy. They can justify their costs due to the predictability of their customer lifetime value, the lifespan of a pet. Others may have to diversify beyond Meta's platforms. TikTok is really good at that. They're already moving towards their own in-app commerce. You can expect them to do more of that. But honestly, if all else fails, there's the good old-fashioned option of opening up a physical store. And bada bing, bada boom. That is it, folks. For more on the Hustle's tech and business coverage and links to all kinds of cool stuff from around the web, check out our newsletter at hustle.co. Thanks to our editor, Robert Hartwig, and executive producer, Darren Clark. I'm Jacob Cohen. You've been listening to The Hustle Daily Show, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. See you tomorrow.